Basketball, the most exciting podcast about the most boring sport. My name is Joey Price. And my name is Brady O'Callaghan. We are joined today by our good friend, our returning guest, uh, our softball teammate, Brad Mead. Hello, Brad. Hey, guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for being be, here. Good to be back. This is my 12th time back, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for those counting at home, it's his twelfth time. Probably, I mean, with the with our live check-ins, it's probably close to three or four, right? Probably, yeah. Uh, are we? Can we call each other softball teammates, even though we haven't played softball together in a year and a half? What do you think about that? Uh, you'll always be my so, softball long- teammates. So. As long as we're not playing with other people, you know, like as long as the last people we played with were each yeah. other, okay. then we're our current teammates, right? Yeah. But okay. if, if one of us played with someone else last week, then we're no longer, then that yeah. we're no longer it, their teammates. Even right? if it was like a pickup game. I think so. Yeah. I think it's just truly the last game you played. Those are your teammates. I would never do that to you guys for sure. So. I'll probably never play again, most likely, if, <laughs> if I had to guess one way or another. Uh, we invited Brad on to talk today about um, trades and contracts and how that relates to fandom. This is kind of all in the abstract, I would say. Uh, um, we'll talk probably about specific things specific players but we're on this we're on this text chain this baseball text chain with a couple of other people and uh i would say that um of the people on the text chain brad is probably like the resident devil's advocate does that sound right yeah i mean he was pulling for the astros the entire time on this text chain (laughs) yeah yes roots for the astros and then when news breaks of trades or, a, uh, yeah, of like a team trading a star or a big signing, it, it feels like Brad will often, you'll often take the, um, the, you'll have the take of, oh, this isn't so bad for the team that we think it's bad for. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to describe a devil's advocate. Somebody... Somebody who tells everybody else that it's not the worst thing to ever happen in the entire world. (laughs) You did kind of cushion the blow of the Lindor trade for me a little bit. So, yeah, Uh, yeah, no, I think I think that's right. I think I think it's not so much a devil's advocate of like, oh, well, you know, like you guys like something, so I don't like it. It's more of like I think there's a lot of hot takes in baseball or in sports, right? And it's fun to do the exact same thing on the other side. I think it's more fun to do it on the other side because when people freak out and they're like, oh, we hate this team or we hate this contract or we hate this thing, it's more fun to try to figure out like, is there anything good about it, right? Is there anything like, is it like, like could it actually be the best thing for that team or that or or, or that fan base? Yeah. Um, and then just, yeah, apply that to just every possible thing that could possibly happen in, in life and in, and then that's my take. <laughs> yeah. And also you'll go the other way too. You'll say, oh, actually this is bad for the team that is like- how, if, how someone we- thinks something, if someone thinks something is just 100% good, then we have to figure out why it's not, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yes. 
and 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 you'll come at it kind of with like a oh actually has this ever worked out well for a team see that's the thing i was asking you guys how much you wanted to spiral on this on this episode because that's really that's really where we where we can go is is not just like oh maybe it's not that bad but maybe there's no way to ever f- figure out whether it's good or bad and maybe there is no good and bad and maybe good and bad never existed and we shouldn't even be thinking about whether or not a team should trade or not so yeah yeah that's a hell of a spiral we, we man could we could definitely get into it <laughs> the concept of good and bad not existing yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about it today on the beanball <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I think I think the idea of perspective, right? So it's like, what are we even looking like when when we're reacting to a trade? Like, what what would constitute a good trade? Like, what would that even look like? Does that look like you have a player for 15 years? Does that look like you win the World Series the next year? You never see the player again, right? It's like, what is what is even like what you know? What are we judging? You know, a good contract on or a good trade on? You know, or 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 what constitutes something that's good for the fans or not good for? Right, I think that's what we often kind of get try, try to get to. Yeah, with those, with, those, with when these when these big news items happen. Uh, let's um, let's like use an example, shall we? Yeah. Okay. You don't want to get more abstract than whether or not there's good and bad in the world. Uh, okay, so uh, the Rockies traded Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals. Right, Nolan Arenado, definitely the Rockies' best player, homegrown talent, was uh, had a uh, had a large contract with them for another uh, handful of years. Um, uh, traded traded to the Cardinals. It, it, everyone is kind of calling it like a fleece, right? Like like the Cardinals are. They, 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 they fleeced the Rockies out of this one. Uh, the Rockies are going to pay all of Arenado's salary in 2021, and he's signed through 2027. Um, uh, I don't know who the Rockies got back in return. Do you know, Fred? I just brought it up. Um, it, uh three pitchers it looks like tony losi jake somers austin gomber gomber i don't know shortstop mateo gill third baseman uh elihuris montero so one two so we don't we probably don't know that much about those prospects but let's you know say that they're like i don't know all in all average i don't know uh and maybe it doesn't matter what would you say how would you spin this as good for a Rockies fan, Brad? The, so the contract was going to go to 2027. Is that right? Uh, uh, sorry, it might have gone to 2026. Uh, and then they, the yes, it was going to go to 2026. Uh, the, the Cardinals added another year to the contract. Right. And this was like a $30 million a year deal at this point? Yes. This, uh-huh, was like 30, like a 10, this was originally like a 10-year deal, right? Like an extension? Something like that. Um, uh, maybe not quite 10 years. Um, but yeah, like like 30 to $30 million a year for what? Seven, eight years, something like that. 
uh, eight year, $260 million. That's that when he signed, that's what it was. So we're looking at, we're looking at for the next few years, they would have been paying him like 30 million a year. Yes. And they are paying him third. They are paying him 30. They're like 35 a year, 35 a year. Let's say. Okay. And they're paying the run and they're paying the Cardinals next year. Right. Yep. And the Cardinals have an opt out on this, on this contract too. Right. Um, that I don't know. Uh, he, he has an opt out. Um, yeah. He has an opt-out. Do you know if he had an opt-out? I mean, this is this is great. This is great content, just just you know, pausing <laughs> and asking questions. Do you know if he had the opt-out uh on the Rockies on the Rockies contract? He had one opt-out on the Rockies contract, and the uh Cardinals added a second opt-out. Gotcha. Um, so he could have opted out of his Rockies deal next year then, right? Yes, correct. So, okay. So what does this all mean? Why is this good? Why is this good for the Rockies, right? That's the question. Like, because the idea is that the Rockies had a really good player and now they don't have a really good player anymore. right? Right. And that the Rockies, if the Rockies cared about their fans and winning, that they would have the good player instead of getting rid of them. Right. Yep. So I think like, one of the things that I often feel, and this is sort of where a lot of the conversations go, is that free agency and signings and extending players is not something that really works out for teams, right? And that's kind of that's kind of like the big thing. Like, and it's sort of a thing that's hard to prove because you it's like oh, well, you know, you would say like, oh, well, the trout contract's working out, but it's like, well, yeah, but we're in the middle of it. And also that might be the greatest player of all time. Right. So what I'm trying to do is trying to figure out like, well, did the, you know, um, like did the Ryan Zimmerman contract work? You know, did the David Wright, did the, did the Ryan Braun contract work out? Like what is our kind of like references that we can look and be like, okay, they were offering like 10-year deals or they were signing guys for like 200 million, you know. Um, But we don't really have like a lot of history to go back and look at that stuff, right? Um, Because it's all contracts getting longer and longer and getting more expensive, more expensive. And the way it looks to me is that teams are getting essentially like locked up where it's like, well, how many $30 million a year contracts can you really have and still be competitive, right? And you even look at like our own personal fandom, Joey, with the Giants getting locked up in like even $16 million contracts or $20 million contracts with like Cueto and Smarja and Belt and Posey and, and Crawford and Longoria and just seeing that team just like dry up and just kind of like lock themselves into, into you know, um, into mediocrity. Uh, so I, I tend to, to feel that the team's best opportunity or the the best way for a team to to have to to lock in value and by, by value I mean like value that they can have coming forward as opposed to value that's already happened is to have is to invest in players whose best years are about to come right so that would be basically saying like you have a bunch of prospects and they're starting to become everyday players 
and you look at like, okay, so those are going to then be the next, you know, uh, you know, the next players of their 20, of their mid 20s, the next Mookie Betts's, the next, you know, Corey Seager's, the next um, uh, Perea's, you know, what have you, right? And those are the players that you want to get. And those are the players that you're going to pay less for because you're going to pay them arbitration numbers. Maybe you'll lock them in, but you'll lock them in for much smaller numbers in their mid twenties than you will in their thirties. So any team, this is all is to say that any team that, that gives anything to, to receive a contract of somebody in their thirties, who's going to be making $30 million a year is going to be taking more of a risk than somebody who's trying to get players who maybe aren't good yet. That's kind of Joey, I think, and, and Brady, where like generally I stand and why I look at that Arenado deal and I say, yeah, you're going to get a really good player and he will probably be pretty good next year. But if I'm the Rockies, I'm not necessarily like, wanting Arenado for the next six years right so so that's sort of where I'm like yeah it looks good in the sense that Arenado is a good name but if this trade was for Arenado like eight years ago then yeah they got fleeced but they already got Arenado for the last eight years you know so they're really just getting they're really just getting rid of what Arenado is going to do from now on and that's not to me as valuable as like what he has done. And frankly, like if you don't have a whole team of Arenados, then, you know, you're not going to win with just one Arenado. So what you really should be doing is trying to rebuild your team and getting the next bunch of Arenados. Mm -hmm. And that's where I look at, well, I got five prospects and they got a bunch of money off of their, you know, off of their uh, books for the next few years. So I'd be excited as a Rockies fan for what that next iteration of the Rockies is going to be and who those next Arenados are going to be, uh, as opposed to being worried that, you know, I won't have Arenado in his declining years. I think that's everything. Is that everything, Joey? Are we done? <laughs> that answers all my questions. Thank you. That's it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that does sum it up well. I, I, yeah, Brady, your response. <laughs> this is a debate I've decided in this moment. Um. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds like uh, this is exactly what Cleveland um, does: is they uh, they develop uh, stars and then trade away those stars um, for a bunch of prospects that they'll develop into stars and then trade away those stars. the The only problem uh, comes is that, like, unless you strike the jackpot with a bunch of young stars who just happen to click at the same time, like, unless you you know have five or six Arenados um, that you just like got through your development uh you're not gonna win because you trade away your arenado once he's arenado yeah you need some overlap right you need sort of like you need to right because i think that's the thing and that's and that's why you know i think i think cleveland has done one of the you know we often talk about cleveland and, and whether or not they're um doing the worst things they could possibly do to break your heart <laughs> and I, I often defend them because i do look at everything they do and how they're just able to continually every move they make seems to continually give them like the new best players in baseball right, right. but to your point it's like well that's all great that's all well and good but if you never 
have them longer than four years and then you're just waiting for yeah that perfect moment i guess i guess the question is like you know how does a team like how does a team do both right how does a team invest in players so that they keep those best players but also like this is the other question joey who are the players that you should be investing i think that's also the question right because i often bring up well let's look at all the stars from 10 years ago who would you have wanted to give that Mookie Betts contract to? Who would you have wanted to give that Stan contract to, right? Would you have wanted to give it to like Troy Tulowitzki? Would you have wanted to give it to like Ryan Howard or, you know, or like Dustin Pedroia? Like who are the players that you would have wanted for 12 years, you know, who you would have wanted into their forties. Um, and, and I think that's the question too, Brady, right? It's like, it's one thing to be like, oh, well, we don't have that really good player. But it's also like, is that player somebody who you're going to want for the next 10 years? Or does it just feel bad that players that were good are no longer on the team? But does it often feel like those players maybe aren't the players you wanted them to be a couple of years later, right? Because mm -hmm. that's my bigger question is do players, can you really depend on players to stay good? Right. Like, yeah. or do we just have that in our head because we love players? And so we think like, well, of course it's Buster Posey, he's good. But then, you know, if you look at it on paper or you look at it, it's like, you know, like Andrew McCutcheon was one of the best players in baseball until no one cared about him at all anymore, right? Like, like I would have wanted that guy every year forever until like, I think one year it was like, oh, I don't want him anymore. Like, right? It's yeah. Like, it's I, like half as good as it used to be. And it happened kind of overnight. And so it's like, we have this idea in our head that these players are the players we want for like 10 years. But do we actually want them for 10 years or do we really just want them for the 10 years that make us want to? <laughs> yeah. Know, like we want them because they're so good for 10 years. And right. then it's like, you know. I think there's a bunch of factors that come into play uh, with this too. I mean, uh, one of the, I definitely understand trading Lindor because like he's not going to stay with us because we're not going to pay for him. Um, uh, but, you know, part of my fandom is that like, I really like Lindor He's such a charismatic, like, amazing dude who is a, like, the face, uh, was the face of our franchise, is, like, one of the, uh, like, uh, leading faces in baseball and probably will be for, like, I don't know, at least, like, the next four years or something. And I feel like that's just a good guy to have um, from, like, a fandom standpoint. Um, so it would be nice to, like, <laughs> pay for a guy like that. Uh, it, it might not help you win baseball games, but might help you keep some fans yeah that that actually gets at the crux of another thing too i think which is like our i think that there's like different kinds of fans right and so i think brad what you're describing is like i don't really care who's on the team i just want the team to have like the best opportunity to win and i want to see that team win and then i think there are fans like what what's brady's describing which is like i really like this player I want to support this player. I like that this player is on my team. I like the team less without this player. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that I like Cleveland less without Lindor. Well, sure. I kind of like Cleveland a little less without Lindor, for sure. Um, I'd rather have a team that wins, but, you know, uh, it. you just have to find sort of a happy middle, which they're trying, for sure. It's just hard to do. I also think that there's a little bit of a, an element of trust in the organization too, that like you have to buy into. And I, if I'm a Rockies fan, 
I probably don't have the same level of trust as I do if I'm a Cleveland fan, because I feel like Cleveland has a, a track record of being able to like build good teams and like uh, continually win and things like that. And it's, if I'm a Rockies fan, I'm like, we had this, we had a good team and we never, or like what should have been a good team. And, or we were told that these were like good prospects and things like that. And we like never made it out of the first round of playoffs. And we had one of the best players in baseball with Aaron Otto and we, it took us nowhere. And so now like starting over, I think might be uh, hard for a, a fan of the Rockies. The one fan of the Rockies out there. I was good. I didn't want to. I didn't want to alienate your your fan base of of you know. I know you guys have a huge uh, following in Denver, but do you guys know any Rocky fan? I don't know. I I haven't met a Rockies fan. I really don't think I've met a Rockies fan. I know I've met a guy who's worn an Angels hat. I know I've I've met people from from you know Houston and from and from Miami, but I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever seen a person wear a Rockies hat and say I am a Rockies fan. No. Um, yeah. Outside of outside of when I went to that stadium and watched the game, no. But even then, was anyone? <laughs> even anyone then, I would say that there were people there wearing Rockies hats, cheering for the Rockies. Shock! That's shocking. Because um, <laughs> uh, I was going to say then, because then we can just you know then that whole then we're done. If, if we if we because then like they're not a real baseball team they don't have any fans that they need to make trades for so you know um yeah i think i think there's definitely a trust thing well i think we talk about that a lot too i think a lot of the hot takes have this have this sense of like my team is trying to make my like the people in charge of my team are trying to make the team worse on perf on purpose in order to spite me and all the other fans because they want the team to be bad for nefarious reasons, right? I think yeah. that's like often a very, and I, I understand it too. I felt that way with Brian Sabian being in charge of the Giants and he, and he literally was the person who made the team win the World Series and I still hated him. And I still felt this like abstract idea that everything he did was against, was for reasons against me and the team being good. I remember, just, just to cut in for a second and then we'll go back, sorry, Brad. I remember in 2010, they won the World Series. Mm -hmm. We went First year to, of my life. We went to the parade together right. yeah. to watch them, the ticker tape parade down. Greatest day of my life, probably. Market Street, all these flowful players. And you were still complaining about Brian Sabian. I booed, I booed <laughs> Brian Sabian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I get it. Like, this is not like I'm the voice of reason here. Like, I get it. Like, I think that guy was against, was against me. He made decisions in order to make the team worse. And he literally made decisions that made them win the World Series. Three times. In three times. And in retrospect, there is no way he wasn't trying for his whole career to do that. Like, I see that. <laughs> But it still feels it still feels like every decision he made was against me and was against yeah. like the team being good. So I think that's a really interesting like philosophy in, in how we deal with this with these news. It's like there's no way that these people are doing the job that they're doing. I, I, I really don't think I mean I don't know all the ins and outs, but I can't see any capitalistic incentive for them to make the team worse, right? Like they are truly trying to 
to to move the needle in some way. Every everything about the team being better moves the needle economically for them in some they, way. They might be trying to make the team worse in the short term, right? Oh, of course, of course. But then that, but, but they I would argue it, that making the team worse in the short term right. is one of the best things you could do. Right, right. They, they're thinking it's helping for the long term. Yes, I agree. Yeah, but no one is just sort of like, I hate this team. There's too much money and I hate it. I hate that there's all these contracts. I wish we just had no players and we paid them no money and we were bad every year, right? No one, like no one who's making this, like they try very, very, everyone's trying very hard to make the teams good, right? Yeah. So I think then it comes down, if you accept that, which has taken me a long time to accept, uh, then you then have to be like, okay, so do we just disagree about what makes the team good, right? For instance, what you just said, where it's like, okay, well, we need to be good in order to be good sustainably for the next 15 years. We're going to have to be real bad the next two years because we got to get rid of, you know, get all the contracts off the book, redo our whole farm system, figure out, you know, all new scouting things, like read, you know, just like start over, get a whole bunch of new players. And so a fan might be like, oh, you're trying to make the team bad, but really it's like, oh, we just disagree about what will make us good. But do we agree that the thing that they're trying to do is what the fan wants? And that gets back to the idea of like, well, what if that means that you never have Lindor for more than five years, right? Would you take that? Like if you were good, well, we were talking about this earlier, the Red Sox have won a World Series like every five years for the last 20 years. And like that's to me, like as good as it gets, right? Like if you had to pick something to happen for the next 20 years and it's like, hey, like your team will win, the, your team will be good 15 of the next 20 years and you'll win the World Series every five years. Like that's pretty much as good as it gets. But yet, you know, when we think about it, it's like, wait, they didn't win the World Series every year for 20 years? You know, it's like, what are we? Well, right. Like, well, when we we... Th the, the cost of that becomes you you trade Mookie Betts. If you, it, you... Betts. you lose, you know, I mean, poor poor Red Sox fans, you know, had to lose, you know, Brock Holt and, uh, and you know, uh, Kevin Euclid, you know. But, um, but yeah, but yeah, every, every one of those World Series teams was also a different team, right? You look at like Ellsbury and Lester versus, you know, uh, um, yeah, the, the, I don't know what happened in the middle of that, but there's a lot of different players in the, in the Red Sox though, right? They didn't keep necessarily the same five players for the whole time. So we look at like what's happening now with like Benintendi and Betts and you look back at like, well, who did they have in that first World Series and that second was in 2000. 12 or whenever it was like, yeah, they're always, you know, building up new players, keeping some and then moving on with others. And so if you look at that and you look at, well, that's literally as good as it gets. And, you know, then it's very hard for me to be like, oh, well, the Red Sox are trading Benintendi or Betts because they hate baseball and want to make all the Red Sox fans, you know, miserable, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go on record and say I'll forgive it all for a World Series win. You know, hey, just talk to me when that happens. <laughs> do you think, Brady, do you feel like, I mean, it's also like the the longer it's been, the harder it is to trust. Like in 2010, they were winning the World Series and I didn't trust it, right? It was like, it, yeah. just, like, it was happening and I was like, no, this team, I, I hate the people in charge of this team. There's no way this is actually happening. Do you, do you feel like with the, with the Cleveland, it's, it's like, like 
it's just hard to believe because they haven't won a World Series that they're even trying on some level. No, like, I you mean, just want, like you just want to kind of believe like there has to be a reason why they're not doing this. Like I, if they really wanted to do this, they would have done it. They've been good. Why can't they just do it? Like if, if I'm being completely honest, I uh, do totally trust it. I I don't I don't trust that the owners couldn't spend the money on top tier talent because they can. I know they could, um, you know. Uh, they have so much money. Um, but uh, if they're not going to do that, barring that, like I trust what they're doing, obviously. It's just um, uh, I I get emotionally wrapped up in how good we were in 2016 and how we got so close and didn't get it that I'm just like, okay, well, we're still like kind of as good, um, but we're not. We like tapered off after that. And it's just like, well, this uh, this combination is not going to – obviously win a world series so like yeah start over from scratch i it's just it's uh sucks to get so close and then uh, immediately enter like a 10-year rebuild to get as close without a guarantee that it ever actually will come to a world series win and and the team i mean you guys won like 92 games in 2019 yeah or something like and didn't make the playoffs like the time the bad timing of it doesn't help i think with like the the central also get like the twins getting good really hot the astros becoming this like m- you know insane insane freaking yeah uh, team but yeah i i think that there is an element that does bother me which brady touched on which is like a team that where they're saying they like don't have the money to spend I feel like it's like you do have the money to spend. You're choosing not to. There might be a reason why you're choosing not to that makes sense. But like crying poor, I think is like not a way to be have like a convincing argument that it's a good thing. Yeah. What should they? What would you prefer they cry? Like, like just. Uh... I honestly would prefer them to say like. Uh, we think it's better if we do not spend the money. We think it's better for the team if we don't spend the money. On yeah. Like I, I would buy that more than we don't have the money to spend. Yeah. Like, or even like them just, just saying like, like I don't just, want like, to. Let's all just calm down. Like let's just all be a little bit, you know. Let's save for the future. Like let's all <laughs> just kind of right. like, you know. Yeah. Sorry, Brady. What were you? I, w- I would even then. Just rather they say, like, we don't want to. This is a business investment for me, first and foremost. And I'm just not going to go and, like, spend all of my money um, to get, like, a World Series win when this is profitable for me. And it's just like, yeah, okay, at least you're being honest. I don't like it because I like the baseball team. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that is what's happening, you know? I mean, it's so weird, right? It's so weird that there's 30 teams in baseball and they're all billion dollar businesses and some of them are poor and some of them aren't poor and some of them spend three times as much as the other ones spend. But there's no, but, and this is something that I think Joey, you and I talked about once. It was like, we think about it kind of like, it's like, okay, you know the the Yankees can the Yankees and the Dodgers can spend two hundred million dollars and the and the Pirates and the Rays can't, and we think like okay yeah that makes sense because 
Yankees is, are New York City, so they're rich and they're good at baseball, and the Rays are Tampa, and they're, you know, Tampa's not rich and they're not as good. But, and, and then we immediately realize, like, none of that has anything to do with anything, right? Like, where do teams actually get their money? And that was sort of where it was like, I don't know. Like, I think they get it from, like, television contracts. And I think the fact that the Yankees are the Yankees and the Rays are the Rays or the Rockies are the Rockies doesn't really like they don't make money based on wins they don't make money based on like hall of famer you know they don't make like they're not just it's, it's not all coming from hats you know like i'm pretty sure it all comes from like like things that i don't understand like you know like billboard rights or something right it's like yeah like they're not like they're not making it's not just like ticket gates it's not like oh well, the yankees are really popular this year and the rays are not so the yankees have 200 million dollars and the rays have 50 it's like so where does the money come from why are certain teams rich and why are other teams rich and does it have any correlation with how good they are and brady to your point it's like from a business perspective it's like would the dodgers make the same exact amount of income as the team if they were terrible every year Probably because I'm pretty sure their income comes from their giant TV contract that they sign that they get locked into for like 20 years. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure when their contract comes up again, they'll probably sign another one regardless of whether or not they win a world series or not in that time. Right. So that's where it kind of becomes like this weird thing where we've sort of decided that like, Oh, certain teams are or aren't because you know, Oh, the Yankees, have Babe, had Babe Ruth once, so they are a two hundred million dollar team, and the you know Royals are a thirty million dollar team because you know Kansas or something, and it's like pretty sure the Royals have a huge TV contract, <laughs> yeah, they're a giant part of the country, right? They have a giant market, or I don't know, maybe they don't. I have no. <laughs> are there TVs down there? Also, is TV still a thing? No, I feel like I have no idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where does the money come from? And I don't mean where does the money come from, like check the, you know, like check the books. I just mean like literally, I don't know. Like, how do teams make money? Is it hot dogs and hats? Is it ticket <laughs> gates? Is it TV? Is it rights for their logo that they're able to sell for merchandising? I don't know. And but the reason why I bring this up is it's like when we talk about the incentives of a GM or an owner to spend money, does does being good at baseball actually give you any incentive in making money and yeah. so really are they just doing this just as, as like a marketing thing it's just like well we make our money from a thing that really has nothing to do about whether we win world series but if we don't win world series like people just won't like us as a brand like we'll just be an unpopular brand and we won't be like top of mind and that's just like a bad thing you know if, if nike's not cool anymore that's like bad for their brand right if the if the pirates never win another game for the next 10 years like that's not good they'll probably still sign a huge TV contract, but like, it's not good if people think they're a very, very bad brand. So really is that all it is? Is a GM just spending all this money just so that, you know, not to make any money necessarily, but just cause it's like, well, you don't want a bad team, you know? So like, where does this all come from? What's the, the incentive of everybody's making these decisions? I have no idea. I don't know either. Brady, did you, do you know? I, I think this one boils down to them doing it to spite me. Like I know we said, I know we said that's probably not the case for a lot of it, but I think this one in particular does come down to it. 
Yeah. Well, that, it, it's all just to say, it's like, well, why can the, why can, why can Cleveland only spend so much money? And they say, well, we can't spend any more. And why can the Dodgers spend so much more? And it's not a problem at all. And why can the Red Sox sometimes spend money <laughs> with no problem at all? And then other times they have to not spend money. And I think, you know, yeah, we want to be like, oh, well, they just want to make more money or they want to do this or they want to do that. But it's like, that doesn't even make sense. It's like the selfishness of it doesn't even make sense to me. It's like, I don't know why the Dodgers and Yankees can't spend so much and and the and Cleveland can't. It's like, I guess luxury taxes, but then what does that have to do with anything? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just paying uh, yeah, the luxury tax, right? I don't know. They're paying, you know, someone's paying Bryce Harper $50 million a year. That's terrible. Like, there's no way that's a good idea. So then, you know, just pay if you're willing to do a bad thing on one hand, why not do a bad thing on the other hand? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I, I mean, I imagine there mu- I think that there has to be some, some monetary incentive to winning the world series. I, 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 maybe there, maybe it's not as big as like we assume that it is, but I imagine that there is, I imagine there if is an incentive for these teams to do well. If there's one takeaway from this whole thing, I mentioned earlier, we're going to spiral. Is there any, is there, or is there not a monetary incentive <laughs> to winning a world series? The fact that the three of us don't have a good answer to that question is very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The so most I can think of anything that a team, does it affect the bottom line of a team at all? If you're, they selling, win or you're selling, you're selling, you know, 2021 world series shirts. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I mean, truly that could be most of where the income comes from, right? <laughs> Just really the rights to the logo on, on merchandising, right? I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean. But it could also be that there's truly no difference. You sign a TV contract, you're locked in, you're making billions of dollars a year, regardless of how you do. And then you sign another one that you're probably going to also make billions of dollars as long as you don't not exist, I guess. So you're just truly trying to just keep existing. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, I I think the thing it it probably is you have to be like unfathomably good and have like really um, interesting star talent for a decent enough time that like most of the country would want to watch your games regardless of whether or not um, they root for you. You know, it's like the the Yankees get like broadcast all over the country because people are like, "Yeah, I'll watch a Yankees game for sure." But no one's gonna sit there and be like, "Man, I would I would kill to watch a Rockies game right now." You know, especially not without Arenado. <laughs> but yeah, I think it is just like you you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have yeah. to be the Yankees to make the Yankees money. Um, to spend it, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I do think I do think that like a a team, the Yankees are like such a huge thing across the world. Really, like they are like a internationally known brand. They're the, the like you yeah. go to anywhere, most anywhere in the world, and it's like, oh yeah, the New York Yankees. That they're almost too big of a thing for this because <laughs> I. I but I also think, like, I don't know if they're bad. Does uh, someone in Japan care? No. That the Yankee, that the New York Yankees are bad. They're just still excited to watch a New York Yankees game. I think it it's because they've been so. If it's the Yankees, or if it, if it's just like is if baseball is bad, 
does that hurt the Yankees more than if the Yankees are bad? Does, sure. does that make sense? Like, yeah. is it, does it really have nothing to do with the Yankees at all? The Yankees are just, you know, a team that, like any other team, can sign merchandising or TV contracts. And if the interest in baseball as a whole goes down, those things go away. And the yeah, income from those things yeah. go away. More so than if the Rays or the Yankees are more or less popular at any given time, right? So it's almost like, is the real incentive just to make sure baseball doesn't fall apart? Yeah. Yeah. More so than it's like, I want my team to win the World Series because that'll make us more money. I and think it's also like, sorry, sorry, go for it. I, I'm just chiming in to say, I think I've um, totally spiraled um, into investment. And now I'm against winning a World Series because I don't think it, you get a good return on investment. It's not a good, <laughs> yeah, not a good ROI. Like what we've unpacked here. It's a fool's errand, right? Yep. If you want your team to be good, the best thing you can do is not win a World Series. I think is where we. <laughs> yeah. Well, we cracked it once again. Yeah. Thanks for helping us figure this out, Brad. I'm bull. Um, I'm bullish on trading away top tier talent for no name prospects. <laughs> no, I really do think it's. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it, Brad. I'm just gonna say, I think it's all about trying to figure out what it is you want, right? As a fan. And I think I think everything we've said here makes sense. Like you want players that you root for. You want the team to be good, you know, most years and not have to have rebuilding years. You want to maybe have those rebuilding years, but every five years you win a World Series. You're never bad for 10 years in a row, right? Those are all like legit, those are all kind of different things that you can want that maybe work against each other, but they all make sense. But it's like when everyone's giving their hot takes, we're all kind of talking about, even just the three of us probably all fit into one of those three different buckets more than the rest of us. So it's like, I think that's what, with my devil's advocacy, that's kind of what I'm always trying to get down to. It's like, it's like, there's not really a bad answer as far as what you want as a fan. But it's like, we all kind of want different things and we all have different ideas about like what makes the experience of rooting for a team good. I definitely am more into like, let's rebuild every three years, get rid of all our players, but then let's never be bad for more than, you know, three years. That sounds awesome for the rest of my life. Um, but, yeah. but I totally understand that other people are like, but I don't know any of these players and all we're doing is just sort of like hoping that every three years we like hit the jackpot, you know, hit the lotto. And I'm like, yeah, that's a lot, a lot of tickets. That's probably a pretty good, that's probably your best, <laughs> your best chance. So yeah, that's, that's sort of, that's sort of my takeaway of the whole thing. I love how this like, entire episode. A different perspective. And it's like trying to understand what we want the team to do for us. It, it might be different than what somebody else wants. And, and, but everyone's kind of valid. It's just like, yeah, stop being bad ever. Or, or just, if you're going to be bad, just be bad for the same guy. And then be bad, but I'm happy as long as you keep that guy and you're and you're bad with him. Yeah. Uh, I love how this entire episode kind of just boils down to the question: What's the deal with Brad? <laughs> and I'm glad we figured it out. Uh, yeah, we figured it out for sure. We cracked it definitely. Brad, thanks so much for coming on um, and talking all this out with us. I feel yeah, better about awesome. Cleveland, honestly. So. I, I mean, there's nothing real in life anymore. So it's like, why not just ask questions that you can't answer? Uh, and then, and then, you know, we'll do it again in a year. I, th I think that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds great. Perfect. Yeah. Let's keep doing that.
Um, thanks, Brad. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Thank you both. Been a pleasure as always. Always. All right. We'll catch you later, buddy. Bye. The Bean Ball is hosted by Joey Price and Brady O'Callaghan. Our music is by Louis Aronowitz, and our logo is by Diana Kolsky. If you want to reach us, you can email thebeanballpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you might get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. People are going to love it, dude. (laughs)